0: I wonder if you've ever thought about what would it be like to grow up with Jesus? <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, it's very difficult actually, for us to, to picture growing up with him. Uh, what, what did it look like for Jesus to develop from a baby into manhood? and would he have been a good brother? Uh, surely he was. But what does that look like to have been a, a brother, uh, have a brother like Jesus, a son like Jesus? How much did he cry out to his mother Mary? For aid? Was it less than other kids? Uh, what's about um, his knees? Did he have grazed knees from running around in the, in, the, in the backyard? Or were they prayer knees where he spent all his time down speaking to his father in heaven? Was he a better carpenter than his dad? Did that annoy his dad? Uh, what was it like to grow up with Jesus? You know, What was it like to go to church with Jesus? Can you imagine going, growing up uh, and attending a church where Jesus was a member of that church, uh, part of your synagogue. Well, one thing we can know because of this story is that growing up with Jesus in your house or in your church is no guarantee that you would be saved. How about that? Let that sink in for a second. Jesus uh, came, went back to his hometown uh the, the story we've got two stories happening here uh, of Jesus going back to his hometown and preaching, and then him sending the, t- the disciples off two by two to go from village to village. And the two are, are put together t- in today's sermon uh, because they have a very similar theme, They have a very similar conclusion. So let's see how this pans out for us. Uh, the first half is about the the uh, Nazareths, the Nazarenes, the people from Nazareth who grew up in the town with Jesus, who were offended. Um, by Jesus because of who he is. They're offended by what he had to say because Jesus was pointing to himself. This is the home game. Jesus goes home and he's back uh, in his old stable. Jesus, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the disciples came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. We're off to a really good start. We're off to a really good start. He's gone home, he preaches a sermon, and they're all amazed, and we think, this is great, fantastic. Jesus, uh, the, 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 he's, he hasn't just returned on his own. He's returned home with a company, with disciples. He now has students. He has people who have given up their life to come and follow him, and as he comes back to his hometown, they've come with him. His posse is there. I don't know what it's like for you when you go back to your own hometown at Christmas Day or something like that. Uh, the psychology teaches us that when you go back to your the family of origin where you grew up from, you tend to automatically go back to the old habits of things. That uh, the way that your parents taught you as a kid is the way they addressed you uh, still. The way that you fit it in with your siblings seems to be the way that you slot back into the old ways of things. But Jesus surely wasn't like that. He came back to his hometown. He's a grown man with a ministry that he is determined to deliver to the world. And he has this, he's a, he's acquired disciples who are following around with him. He comes back home and the people of Nazareth are amazed. But are they really, what sort of amazement do they have? They want to ask, who is this guy? Look at our verse 2 be, it says, where did this man get these things, they asked? What's the wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. See, the, the amazement. The, what began as amazement, they were astounded, they are blown away by what they're hearing from him, but their result, their, their reaction, their conclusion is to be offended. But they're not offended by the message as, as such, but with the person. They're, they're offended with this person who they knew from youth. This is, this is the carpenter. This is Mary's son. We know his, his brothers. We know where he lives. We're so familiar with him, and yet he's come to teach us these things. They're unable to listen to the message that Jesus gives because of, because he's pointing to himself, because of his boldness to say that the, that the kingdom of God is drawn near. And you know this because, well, he wants them to put two and two together and see that he is the Messiah. This is what uh, he wants all of his disciples to come to the conclusion. As we reach closer and closer to chapter 8, where Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Who do you say that I am? And they answer exactly what he wanted to hear, that you are the Christ, the Messiah. This is what Mark began his gospel by saying, that this gospel is all about Jesus, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. This is what Jesus wants us to piece together. And I think that the the town folk of Nazareth are hearing the message. They're astounded, they're shocked, they're astonished, they're amazed, but they're offended because of who Jesus is. You might remember in John's Gospel that, uh, that Philip comes to Nathanael and says, come and fi- come to Jesus. I think I've found the Messiah. And do you remember that, uh, that Nathanael says in reply, Nazareth? Could anything good come from Nazareth? Well, the irony here is we've come to the town of Nazareth and the people from Nazareth are saying effectively, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Surely this is not where God raises up a Messiah. Surely this is not where, where, where God does amazing things. We're waiting for God to do amazing things, but surely not through this man. This is not the way. Well, I think it's interesting to look at their questions. I think they have really good questions. Let's just have a look at the three things that they ask. Where did this man get these things well, surely these things refers to his teachings. Where did he get these teachings? He's just preached a sermon. Where did he get these ideas? Where did he get these conclusions? Where does he get this, this doctrine, this theology, this understanding of Scripture, this understanding of God's promises? Where does he get all this from? Uh, in, I mean, what did he say in his sermon? Mark doesn't give us the sermon, but we know that when Jesus began to preach in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he said... The time has come, the kingdom of God has drawn near, so repent and believe the good news. That was his sermon, that's, the, that's the, uh, the brief that Jesus began with and what he continued to preach from village to village, town to town. As he comes back to his hometown, surely he's preaching the same sermon. The time has come, the kingdom of God has drawn near, repent and believe, We know in another gospel that he went to a synagogue and he read from a scroll uh, of Isaiah and having read from Isaiah, he sat down and then he said, this has been now fulfilled in your hearing. Meaning I'm here, the kingdom of God has come near. This This is happening. What was prophesied hundreds of years ago is now happening in your midst. And will you believe it? Will you have faith? Will you turn to Jesus? Will you give your life to him? Where does he get this teaching from? Uh, John chapter 5 and Luke 24 are two profound moments where Jesus quite bluntly and plainly says that all of the Old Testament, we call it the Old Testament, what 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 we call the Old Testament speaks about him. He is the conclusion to everything that God has been doing through Abraham, through Moses, through David and so on. Where does he get this teaching from? This message that he preaches is all about him where does he get that from the second question is about wisdom what's this wisdom that has been given to him you notice that jesus isn't babbling he isn't just some crazy man getting up and throwing out random thoughts here's a proverb here's a proverb here's a proverb i've been put it together and work it out his words come to them and they describe it as wisdom where does he get this wisdom from there is there is truth in what he says and there is uh, there is logic and, uh, and uh, understanding which speaks into our life. That God has come to give us the words of eternal life. That song we sang, where else are we to go? Because you have the words of eternal life. They recognise that his teaching is profound, that his wisdom, it makes sense. They're not in doubt about the, the points he's making. And thirdly, they talk about his miracles. What are these miracles, these remarkable miracles that he is performing? No doubt they've heard the, the legend, of story, uh, legend of Jesus. His stories have travelled far and wide uh, and they're hearing of the miracles that he has performed elsewhere. In last week's passage we heard that he healed a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. He raised a little girl from death to life. They're hearing these stories and even on this day while he couldn't perform many miracles he did perform some miracles in front of them. Where did he get these from? These are, these are the questions. What is this teaching? What is the, where is this wisdom coming from? And what about these miraculous powers? You see, the questions are actually quite good. And if they just listen to the answers to their own questions, they might conclude that, wow, God is actually speaking amongst us. God has brought us a prophet who surely is from God. His teaching makes sense and, and it's filled with wisdom. And so let's give our life to Jesus. Let's turn our hearts to him. Let's take our attention off what we think God should do and actually turn it to what God is doing and what he's done. Faith is actually quite logical. Uh, to put, to come to the scriptures and ask, who is this Jesus? And what are we here to make, what are we to do with him? When God says, I want you to put your, your faith in me, he doesn't say just leap out into the darkness and, and, and trust a blind, a blind theory, myths and legends and superstition. Now, we're actually to examine who Jesus is and put the logic together and say, no, this is the one that God has sent into the world to save sinners. C.S. Lewis famously said that you can only come to three conclusions about Jesus. He's either a, a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. If, if, those, if the Nazarenes had pieced together, had answered their own questions, then they would actually have to conclude, is Jesus a lunatic? Is Jesus lying? Or actually, is this man, is Mary's son, the one who God has sent in the world to save us? This is why our creeds revolve so much around who Jesus is. The Nicene Creed in particular says that he is, we, we preach, we, we proclaim that he is the eternal son. That he is God from God, uh, true God from true God, light uh, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. We we make these points succinct and clear because we believe this is who Jesus is. Not just another prophet, but he is God in the flesh. Jesus concluded in verse 4, he says, A prophet is not without honour except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home, where, where they seem so familiar with him, they're unwilling to see how, who actually is in their midst. But Jesus, in his comments, says that he will be honoured. The prophet is not without honour. And there will come a day when every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. But we also see this remarkable sentence in verse 5, that he could not do any miracles there he couldn't perhaps perhaps more perhaps more palatable to our english tongue is the word wouldn't it's not right for him to perform miracles here in this town because of their lack of faith they're amazed at jesus teaching he's amazed at their lack of faith and so jesus does to nazareth what he's going to inst- instruct his disciples to do from village to village he leaves. He walks away. They've heard the words of eternal life. They've been uh, they've been told that the kingdom of God has come near. Uh, so repent and believe. But because of their lack of faith, they fail to repent, and that is to turn their life to Jesus, and they, they fail to believe. And so Jesus moves on. Verse 6, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. He sends the, t- the disciples off. Uh, and he gives them a staff and a message that 's all they have to take with them they 've played the home game, and it seems like that the, the home crowd weren 't very cheery of Jesus now they're going, now they 're playing the away game and they 're going from village to village. Jesus says two by two, and so we could make a, a simple point there that ministry is done in at least pairs. We don't do ministry alone. Uh, it's probably not the reason for the passage. It's not a strong theological statement, but we can just look and see that Jesus didn't send 12 people off in 12 directions. He sent them off in partnership, and so we do ministry together. We learn from one another. Uh, um, we, we have strength in numbers. Brother, uh, Iron sharpens iron as brothers sharpen each other. And so the ministry is done in pairs, he called the 12 to him and he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So he's given them the message to preach and the power of God that testifies that what the message they're giving is also from God. And he gives them these instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. What do they have to take with them? A staff and a message. They're going to look like uh, prophets going from town to town with just just a message. That's it. Uh, Later on uh, in the Gospels, as, as as Jesus gets closer to the cross, uh, Jesus says to the disciples, I told you not to take anything with you, but now I tell you to, to, to take things with you, even a sword. And so this is not an eternal message. This is not instructions that we need to therefore um, wear sandals. Who's got sandals today? Uh, you are more godly than me. And, uh, but don't take a backpack. Don't take anything. Just Friends, just take. Don't take money. Just, just the message. Just the message. You're going to go from town to town. Because it's not actually about... Them. They're not demonstrating that this is now the new hermit-style um, uh, hermit life that everyone needs to take up and follow. It's not, it's not a uh, uh, come to the Himalayas and see how the, the, they do it there. Uh, it's, not a, it's, it's not a removing of all things and show everyone how much faith you have in God. While, while that is there, they're trusting Jesus that they're going to go empty-handed and trust In the Lord, to provide, that is true, but that's not the reason why Jesus says take nothing. And neither do they go into the towns uh, um, begging for money. Their instruction was not to go from door to door and just ask for money. Uh, No, the instruction is that we go into town and presumably when if someone hears the message and welcomes you in to hear more, then you know that you're being received, that the message is being received who is it that's going to respond to the message of God? That's why Jesus sends them from town to town because it's not about the disciples, it's about the message that they're they're preaching. And so they, what is the message that they preach? In verse 12 it says, they went out and preached that people should repent. It's the same message that Jesus had. The kingdom of God has come near, so repent and believe. The time has come, repent and believe. And for the the villagers who receive the message and want to hear more, then the disciples receive hospitality and they stay a little longer. For the villagers who are a bit like those in Nazareth who say, what is this message, this is crazy, we don't want to hear any more of it, then they are not welcomed, they don't receive hospitality and they are not to just leave quietly, but to stand there perhaps at the at the town gate, take off their sandals, dust shake the dust off their sandals so they don't carry anything of that town with them. It's a sign that, that, that the message has been rejected and therefore the messenger rejects the village. What's changed today? Well, we don't have Jesus physically in our midst. We have him here when two or three are gathered together in, in his name. He's there with us. Uh, we are a Church of Christ, and we preach Christ crucified and so when you come to church here, this is the message that you hear that, to, that the kingdom of God has come near, so repent and believe. but coming to church doesn 't guarantee that you will be saved, that you are saved what 's required for salvation is that moment of repentance, of faith that you actually turn to Christ. What did the Nazarenes lack? They lacked confidence in Jesus, that He is the Messiah, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and that they would turn their hearts to Him and become one of His disciples, and therefore enter the kingdom of God. What about those towns who rejected the disciples and said, "We don't want to. We don't need you here. We don't need your message." Well, God, through the messengers, says to that village, "Well, if you don't, if you reject the message, then you are rejecting God Himself." The two things are are the same because actually what the the disciples preached was Jesus. That come to Jesus, come to the kingdom, come to the king of the kingdom and be saved to repent and believe. Um, Here at Kingswood, we will do our best to make our church an inviting church uh, where the lights work and the lawn is mowed and there's, there's a cup of tea boiling in the kitchen. Uh, we'll show hospitality. But what, we, what we'll continue to try and strive to do is to put Jesus on the platter and say, do you, do you want to know more about this man? Do you want to know more about the, the Son of God who came into the world to save you, to give you a new life, so that you could no longer live with you as the King, but treat Jesus as the King? Uh, this is really tacky to say, and I've been holding off saying this for, for a year, but... Uh, we, we want to bring the king to Kingswood, don't we? I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, but that's what we want to do. We want to actually present to Kingswood who their king is. If Kingswood will reject him, then we may feel like we are being rejected, but ultimately it, it's it's Jesus who, who they are not showing care for or love for. But we want to be a church that welcomes people in and welcomes uh, people invites people to know Christ to know Jesus, and then to decide is that the message that I want to commit my life to, or will I walk away and today we 're having our welcome lunch and um, if you are newish here um, and but you don 't feel like you 've been invited i 'm inviting you right now to stick around for lunch and and to hear. Um, what, what is it that we're trying to do here at Kingswood. Uh, and, we've, and Cameron's also mentioned that the Knowing Christ course is coming up starting on the 20th of February. You might like to come to the Knowing Christ course or you might like to just whisper to somebody else who you think should come to the Knowing Christ course and say, why don't you come along with me and get to know Jesus. Get to know the one who came into the world so that we would not just do life with less, but actually we would come to him and do life to the full. Let's, Let's pray. Dear God, we recognise that Jesus is the message and Jesus is the heart and the soul and the king and the ruler of your kingdom. Lord, we ask that you'd help us to be clear about this at Kingswood Church. I pray that for each of us here today, present, that we would not simply attend church, but that we would consider who Jesus is, to repent and believe and therefore enter the kingdom of God. Lord, help us to be a church that is living and not dead. Lord, help us to be a church that holds um, the message of Jesus dearly. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.